Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Deuteronomy 3, verse number 25, I pray thee, and this, this is Moses, just kind of give us the context of Scripture here. This is Moses speaking to the Lord. He says, I pray thee, let me go over and see, speaking of the Canaan land, the land of promise, the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain in Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. The Lord said unto me, let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter we understand Moses wasn't able to go over because of something that he had done but he says get thee up in the top of Pisgah and lift up thine eyes saying you're not going to be able to go over and see but I'm going to let you go up to the mountain and observe and see from there and he says lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. Says so you're going to be able to observe this, but for you personally, you're not going to experience this. He says then in verse 28, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people so if i stage what's happening here moses cannot go over and see but he can go to the mountain and observe what he cannot experience but another is going to experience it joshua is going to go on over and this is the admonition to moses you're not going to experience but encourage the one and strengthen the one who is for he shall go over before his people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. Sometimes we preface sermons with what my title really is tonight so I don't have to say it twice. And I want to just preach this tonight. A word of encouragement. A word of encouragement. Hallelujah. Jesus, I come to you tonight and I need you, Lord need you God in this place God we've needed you all along God through every song special song we've needed you Lord today God I need you right now put all things in order in my mind and in my heart God it is my desire God that before we leave this place God that this could be a word of encouragement Lord to someone God in this place God, for I know we all fight our individual battles and we all have our personal things, God, that would drive us down. But I pray, Lord, help me to be one that can lift up a hand tonight of another in this house. God, and I'll thank you and I'll praise you for whatever you designed to do in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Can everybody say amen? Shake somebody's hand before you seated, if you will, tonight. Tell them how good they look. Hey, man, tell them, tell them how wonderful it is to have them in the house of God. Honored to be sitting by them. Hallelujah, Jesus. A word 
word of encouragement. Several years ago, a teacher assigned to visit a children, visit children in a large city hospital, she received a routine call that was requesting that she visit a particular child. She took the boy's name and room number, was told by the teacher on the other end of the line that we're studying nouns and adverbs in his class right now. I'd be very grateful if you would come and help him with his homework so he doesn't fall behind the others. Well, it wasn't until this visiting teacher got outside the little boy's room where he was that she realized that his location in the hospital was the hospital's burn unit. No one had prepared her to find this young boy as horribly burned as he was and as in great pain as he was. She felt that she just couldn't do what was asked of her and, and turn to uh, walk out, but she felt like she must go on and proceed and do what her responsibilities were. So she awkwardly entered the room to this burn unit where this boy was badly injured and wounded and she stammered a little awkwardly and said I'm the hospital teacher and your teacher sent me to help you with nouns and adverbs the next morning a nurse in that facility on the burn unit asked this teacher this hospital teacher asked her what did you do to that boy before she could finish a profusion of apologies, the nurse interrupted her and said, you don't understand, teacher. We've been very worried about him from the moment that he came into here. But ever since you were here yesterday, his old attitude has changed and is somewhat different. He's fighting back whereas he did not fight back before. He's responding to treatment whereas his body was not responding to treatment before. It's as though that now after your visit, he has decided to live. According to the little boy's own words, he would later explain that he had completely given up hope until he saw that teacher and it all changed when he came to a simple realization and there were cheerful joy in his heart and in his eyes when he expressed it this way. They wouldn't send a teacher to work on nouns and adverbs with a dying boy, would they? I feel in my spirit today because I'm linked to ministry and pastors and just by and large the, the body and the populace of humanity that we're living in a day and an hour that if there's ever a time that people are going through their lives and circumstances being discouraged and feeling overwhelmed with what life is serving them, it is today and it is now. If there's ever a point in time that there's episodes where people feel like they're isolated with their own journey through their troubles and through their disappointments, it is today. It is now. And there's nothing worse than feeling that you are the only one that is facing some of the things that you face or feeling some of the things that you are feeling. What discourages one may not discourage the other, but that's all right. I guarantee you at some point in time when you've walked through those double back doors and sat down, the person that you were next to may have been discouraged by something. It may have not been the identical thing that at that moment in time 
time was discouraging you, but I guarantee you that we've all come into this place at one time or another and have sat down beside somebody that was discouraged by life or discouraged by circumstances or discouraged by woe or something that was just discouraging to them. And it may differ from person to person how much of something it takes in order to discourage an individual. Some may be accounted or described as being easily discouraged while others it may be a long time or a lot has to happen in their life in order for them to be discouraged. But I guarantee us tonight as a body, a church, as humanity, we all have experienced, maybe are experiencing or will experience times in which we are discouraged. There's different things that spawn discouragement in our lives. At times it may be as a business owner, a business at that moment in time that is bad and not being as fruitful as you would like for it to be. Job situations that become unreliable in your life, Brother Mason, in moments of time can bring a wave of discouragement, the unknown, something that catches you off your your footing that you were not expecting can come along and discourage you. People, for instance, our dear sister Trout, health issues after health issues can come into an individual's life and because of that health of being attacked, you think you can sustain that and go on with that, but over a period of time it does and it will begin to discourage you. We've all faced it. I guarantee you that family there is facing that right now and it's good to bring awareness to this tonight that we don't have to walk into assembly like this because this is who we are. We're people. But we don't have to walk into assembly like this and me say, well, how you doing, brother so-and-so? And you throw up your facade and say everything's well, everything's grand because that's how we are. We don't want to look vulnerable. We don't want to look as though anything isn't just right where it should be or ought to be. Living the life for the Lord is grand. Everything is well. But the reality of the situation is this. There's times I've stood here and I've shaken hands hands and people's asked me that question and I said everything is well nothing could be any better and that was in reality the furthest from the truth brother Fred McGee in my soul in my spirit in my personal life I was aching I was disappointed I was discouraged I was overwhelmed by my circumstance and my situation and we all had that at one point of time if you would consider just for another idea tonight think if you will we have some single parents around here. Think of the loneliness of being a single parent and the discouragement and the disappointment that can accompany just being a single parent rearing and raising your children. Others feel like they're isolated, like they're by themselves. Nobody else around them feel like they're walking this journey alone. Others are facing marriages that are in the balance or marriages that have dissolved and now they're dealing with the loneliness of not having a counterpart that can birth and bring discouragement into the life of an individual amen expectations that you had you thought it was going to take place you were so sure so firm about it but expectations then were disappointed and as a result of it discouragement sets in not only that we're hard if anybody's hard on you you're the hardest on yourself Because we walk through life, even Christian life, and we make mistakes and faux pas, and we get off the path, 
and because of our own mistakes and failures then, we go through a valley of discouragement. And we tell ourselves, I should have done better than this. I can't do this walk with the Lord thing. I need to learn how to get up. I need to learn how to get through this. And our own mistakes sometimes can be a scale of discouragement that is against us. And discouragement will meet its most severe place whenever you get to a place of hopelessness. And hopelessness sets in as though it's never going to change. It's never going to alter. And you start believing, you know what, where I am right now, I believe this is the way it's always going to be. I believe this is going to become a way of life. The single parent believes they'll always be single. The person whose job went helter skelter now believes that's just the way it's going to be. The business that is bad is never going to reach a peak again. The marriages that are dissolving are on the rocks. They think there's no way to mend it. And whenever hopelessness sets in, discouragement is at its severest. Can someone say amen? The Bible speaks in Deuteronomy, just walk with me here a little and I, I, I won't hold you long, although I just started my timer. Amen, I won't hold you long. Hallelujah. Glory. Nobody get discouraged on me right now. Hallelujah. The scripture relays to us in the word of God. Here is the book of remembrance. Deuteronomy is just recalling what has taken place and what is about to happen. And as the book of Deuteronomy is recalling all of these things, there's something that it begins to recall. And Moses begins to recall how it was some 40 years earlier they had come to this Jordan River. They had opportunity and a mandate from God that the Canaan land and land of promise was theirs and they should apprehend that land a promise. It was right there at their fingertips. You couldn't get any better than having a mandate from heaven promising you that that is yours. It's like take it to the bank, deposit it, it's real, it's absolute, it's there. Amen. And they had that right at their fingertips. They had that. God spoke that. He was very plain. He did not mince words. He did not mumble or stutter. He said it is yours yours but the scripture tells us very well in recounting that 40 years earlier in recounting what happened the promise being theirs the experience of the promise and the land and everything that it had the fruit of the land the land that flowed with milk and honey all of that experience experience being theirs the bible tells us in numbers 32 and verse number 9 that when they went up into the valley of Escol and saw the land they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them everything that God had promised them amen the experience of the land and the fruit the goodness and the greatness of the land they never went on across Jordan never inhabited that never grasped the hold of what God said they could have because the Bible says the heart of the people became discouraged and can I say this tonight the reality of discouragement is this discouragement can get into your life so greatly and so profoundly as it did the children of Israel. It caused a whole generation to miss out on an experience that God said was rightfully theirs. 
Not just a person, not just for a moment in time, but a whole generation missed out because discouragement came within the hearts of the people. As a matter of fact, the book of the Bible says in Numbers 13, amen, whatever it describes them considering taking this land that God said was theirs with the spies. The Bible says that the people's, the people's words concerning the land and themselves concerning the land was this. They said, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers and so we were in their sight it does not say we were as grasshoppers in their sight but they said how we perceived ourselves that's how we believed everybody else perceived us Amen. The spirit of discouragement will come upon you and it'll tell you that you're a failure and it'll tell you that everybody else sees you as a failure. The spirit of discouragement will come upon you and tell you you can't make it and it'll say to you that everybody else thinks you can't make it as well. The spirit of discouragement will come upon you and say you're not gonna see the light of day and tell you the opinion of everybody around you is saying you're not gonna see the light of day. The spirit of discouragement will come upon you and tell you you can't make it and make you think everybody in the church house is saying they can't make it. Someone say hallelujah. And so whenever Moses comes to the river Jordan, this is now his second time here. Whenever Moses gets here, this is the second time he comes here. But a generation has passed. A generation that was not able amen to go into the land not because it wasn't promised to them but because they were discouraged in their hearts and never went on into the land of promise now Moses had his own hang ups but I want you to consider the scripture there in Deuteronomy 3 again he's speaking to the Lord he says Lord I'm praying to you let, let, let me go over and let me see the land let me, let me go over there let me experience that let me see that I want to experience everything that is over there. Amen. Beyond Jordan. But he speaks that the Lord told him back. He said, let it suffice them. He says, speak no more to me of this matter. You know what's already taken place. In other words, what God was telling Moses at that point in time, that experience over there isn't for you now. You're not going to experience that. You're not going to walk there. You're not going to touch the fruit. You're that, that experience right now is not for you. The only thing that you can do is observe that experience in somebody else's life. Hold on. He says, so don't talk to me anymore about that matter. You're not going to experience what Joshua experienced. But you will be able to observe what he's going to experience. Go up into the mountain. Go on and observe it. Look at it northward, southward, eastward, westward observe everything that there is to observe but you're not going to experience that you're not going over this Jordan and so after he made it plain to Moses you're not going to experience it but you can observe it he did not stop in his sentence he said but Joshua will go over Joshua's going to experience something you will not experience he says but encourage him and strengthen him I've come on this Sunday night to tell all of us this 
that there are some things in other individuals' lives that we may never experience. We may never walk that journey. We may never walk that road. But God has given us a position and a place to observe that experience in their life. And if we can make any type of contribution, even the Spirit of the Lord is telling us as the body of Christ, for our brothers and sisters, I may never have experienced that, but I have a mandate from heaven. God's telling me to encourage you and to strengthen you and breathe some fresh life in you. I don't know what you're going through, but I can see it, but I've been told to encourage Oh, someone say yes. Let me tell you, folks, you don't have to have gone through it in order to give an encouraging word. You, you don't have to have experienced it in order to give just a little second wind in the sails of those that do. If you've never lost a child, it doesn't keep you from giving an encouraging word. If you've never went through a divorce, it doesn't keep you from giving an encouraging word. If you've never lost out and had a child backslide on God, that doesn't keep you from giving an encouraging word. You got eyes. You can see. You can observe strengthen them and encourage them that are in the someone say hallelujah I think perhaps one of the most powerful dynamics of a church that we grow slack in is in the area of being able to encourage our brothers and sisters in the Lord. A word of encouragement isn't just fitting for when you're in something horrible. It's fitting for when everything is well. Common, commonly, we believe that I need to render that word when they're walking through the fortress of hell, sometimes they needed that word before they ever got there. I'm just talking to us tonight because I believe as a body that it would do us well to become liberal with words of encouragement for one another. If you see somebody and they did a good job or they went just a little above and beyond in their worship, take the time just to say... I really enjoyed seeing your worship tonight. Take the time to give just a thank you or a moment of appreciation because only eternity knows how they might hang on to that word through some of the deepest, darkest times of their life. Whenever they feel like giving up, it could be a word spoken in due season that keeps them tethered. Someone say yes. Here's the scripture, Hebrews 10, verse 25. You probably know this. You've heard it quoted from this pulpit time and time again. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. 
And what we hone in on oftentimes with that scripture, and I'm a believer of this, I back this, you've heard me say it, that we need to be in the house of God. Even as the Spirit and the, Spirit, the Lord is quickly on his return, we need to be in the house of God. We need to be about the Father's business. If you, the, the opportunity is there, take it, take advantage of it. And I believe that's true, even so much the more as we see the day approaching. But there's a little phrase in there that we skipped over just a little bit. But exhorting one another. Exhorting. That word exhort. Amen. And other definitions and other, other languages, other versions of the Bible. It's not just exhorting one another, but encouraging one another. Because if there's ever going to come an onslaught of hell against the church, against God's people with discouragement through any form or fashion, it's going to be as we grow nearer to the second coming of God. He wants you to believe that the God you serve, the spirit you have, renders you of no purpose and no effect. And he's going to try to discourage you, cause you to jump ship, cause you just to lay in the towel. But the spirit of the Lord is telling me as a congregation, as a body, when we come together for church, we need not leave until we say, brother, it's going to be all right. You're going to make it. That's going to change. It's a, we we got to be encouraging one another even so much the more as we see the day approaching. I need to share some words of encouragement. Someone say amen. I need to share some words of encouragement to prosper, positive. Scripture speaks of people. The verse escapes my head exactly where, but it's there. If you need to know, I'll look it up and tell you at the next point in time. But it speaks of people encouraging people basically to wickedness and evil. Honey, I'm here to tell you, if encouragement can have that type of effect in a negative way, in a negative direction, and they can use it for that purpose, then that should implore us that much more to use that mechanism for the godly and the good and the upright in a positive manner. Our reaction sometimes is if somebody is in a horrid state of life is just to stay away, away from them as though they got the plague. Because, you know, it's like, man, this thing just might catch. I've been having carb trouble. I don't want to get next to them. My ignition switch will probably go out next week if I do. Listen to me. I'm serious. Seems like sometimes when people walk through their places... And I know sometimes we have our countenance and our outward disposition. Our shoulders might hang a little lower. Our smile might not be as brighter. The sparkle may not be there in our eye. And sometimes I know people might just say, well, they probably just want to be left alone. But you know, just take a chance. In reality, they just might need a word of encouragement. Because their circumstance is already setting them to a place of isolation. They come in and they, they leave, they get here late and they leave early because discouragement is telling them you're the only one going through that. 
you're the only one experiencing that, and you're you're just kind of a you're kind of a, a, a oddball. You're you're different. Everybody else has big enough shoulders they can carry everything they're going through, but you can't. Woe is you. You're horrible. You just need to come late and you go early because you don't want to talk to anybody because they've never experienced what you've experienced or felt what you felt. Listen, folks, that's not a time to ostracize them. That's not a time to turn the head. That's the time to go to them and say, brother and sister, I don't know what you're going through, but I've just been observing that something's going on in your life. I'm praying for you. God's going to take care of it. God's going to settle it. Strengthen them and encourage them. <laughs> oh God. Everybody say amen. See, that was the scenario. That was the scenario with the New Testament gentleman by the name of Barnabas, as he was known mostly, more so than Joseph, which was his name. Most people called him Barnabas, which is being interpreted son of consolation or son of encouragement in other words he said this guy he's so good of sharing a word of encouragement rather than knowing him by his given name we're going to call him Barnabas because that describes him better than even his given name now you pin that on your lapel Imagine if a spirit of encouragement would flow around here. That man, we all just become Barnabases. That, that, that the community that we live in would start to see them as they are the church of encouragement. Because look, look at the mentality of Barnabas. Paul, who was formerly Saul, persecutor of the church, had his transformation, as it were. Walking uprightly. None of the apostles wanted anything to do with him. <laughs> Arm's distance. But we read in Scripture, Barnabas took Paul under his wing. Made some formal introductions of he with the brethren. Told of what he was now doing for the Lord compared to what he was doing. Listen, folks. You don't know... The power that lies within your words of encouragement to people. Because Paul, who becomes a great apostle, who wrote a good two-thirds of the New Testament Scripture, got to where he was, not because the twelve took him in, but because somebody with a simple word of encouragement took him under his wing. What would have been, I don't know, I don't know if it'd be any different, Brother Fred, but my mind likes to play. What would have been the outcome had there not been a Barnabas in Paul's life? Would he have thought the character and image that I have is never going to change in their eyes? So then rather, over, rather than going on with exploits for God, I'll go back to doing what I once had done. Or could it be because he had a son of encouragement in his wing? Let's say, Paul, 
I know, I know Bartholomew, and I know James, and <laughs> it was just convenient. And, and I know, and I know Andrew, and all that. I know they're not giving you the time of day, but I know you've had a real change in your life. I know you've had a real change in your life. I know you're preaching the truth. That was good preaching, Paul. Could, could you see him there when Paul's preaching? Oh, that's good. Get down and just encourage him. That was good preaching, Paul. That was spot on. That's exactly what these people needed. I don't know what that did to the apostle Paul, but somehow by having a son of consolation and encouraging her life, spawned him to become a great writer, moved on by the Spirit of God to pin the verses, the scripture that we read over and over again in the New Testament scripture. A man, a man that was moved upon by God because he had a son of encouragement in his life. We all need it. I'll look out among these today. I'm a pastor. I think it goes without saying that I have my own times of difficulty and discouragement. We talked about that before. But let me tell you, you know what gets me through that? Because there's some of you all that's sitting on these pieces right here. Listen to me. I've received, I've received baskets with goodies, with notes, saying we love you guys. You're great. You're doing wonderful. I've had cards sent to my home personal cards when there was nothing special going on in our lives that said we believe in you you're a pastor everything's going to be alright I've had voicemails sister Margaret whenever I didn't get your call but there was voicemails left on my voicemail saying pastor I know I, 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 I'm not listen I'm not where you're at because none of you right now are in the office of a pastorate I'm not where you're at but God's given me a vantage point where I can observe And I feel the Spirit just telling me, be strong. Be encouraged. Is somebody hearing me? Let me tell you, if that works for me, it works for any of us here. Still yet to this day, Brother Fred, still yet to this day, I carry it in my wallet. I carry it in my wallet. I've made mention of this before. I make mention of it again. I carry it in my wallet. You know what this is? These are words of encouragement from Fred McGee. I came in here one time in the morning, as I always do at 8 o'clock every, every day, usually except for Monday. I was here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Brother Fred and Brother Brand a lot of times prays here before that time. I came in here. Going through a time in my life in the pastorate, I came in here. I started walking toward the door, and I seen a little white piece of paper sticking there. I thought, what in the world is that? thought maybe Sister Penrod was trying to remind me of something. That happens too. And I walked to that door, and I seen that, and I picked that up, and I began to read that. And Brother Fred, the moment I read that, tears flooded my soul, my spirit, and my face. Why? Because, because what I needed right then was just someone to share a word. This, this isn't an eight and a half, this isn't an eight and a half by eleven inch piece of paper, legal size. It's not a book. It's not, it's not a writing of another individual and say, hey, this would be good for you. No. This is a writing of one of my saints on a little index card. But there was enough there that day that I went, I can make it today. I can. I'm trying to tell somebody right now there may be somebody in this audience that needs one of those cards. There might be somebody in this audience that needs a little piece of paper on their windshield. There might be somebody in this audience that needs a voicemail on their cell phone that says, hey, I just want you to know I was thinking about you and that God's not forgotten you. Just a word of encouragement. You can observe just a word. 
Folks, the common saying is this, and I found it to be true in my own life and lives of others that I know intimately around about me. And the saying is true, adopt it as your own and know it well, that most people will not remember necessarily what you have done for them, but how you have made them feel. Somebody hear me right now. That card, Brother and Sister McGee, Terry McGee, that little basket, the Johnsons in the note. Yeah. That card, all that, that meant more to me than going out to eat with you. Listen to me. Not that I, I wouldn't mind that either, but. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you know. If we didn't the eating thing, probably how I felt would have been too full. <laughs> it's not what necessarily you do, but it's how you make each other feel. You know, because personally, it's just me. I like being around people that make me feel good about myself and my journey. Call it ego, whatever you want to call it. I call it human nature. I like, to, I like to familiarize myself, befriend, rub shoulders with people that make me feel good about who I am. And if I don't get that from people, I have less of a tendency to want to congregate with them because the last thing I need is to purposely go around somebody that's going to pull a down person already down. And let me say today, if you think of discouragement has told you that's the only type of people you have in your life, it's a liar. If that's the only type of people you're gravitating toward because you think you, you don't have no status of anything better than that, that's a lie. That's a lie. Let it be a lie. Amen. Let it be a lie. And let the first apostolic church arise and say that's a lie because there's a group of people here that's going to try to encourage and uplift and uphold, prop you up when you can't prop yourself. Prop you up when you can't prop yourself up. I'm closing. If you'll stand with me. I didn't do bad. I started late. I didn't do bad. Listen. Man who was in the Marines, and I close with this. Man who was in the Marines. He said, so we were taught in the Marine Corps. He said that whenever you're preparing for combat, you're making preparations for combat. That whenever you dig, as they call a foxhole, whenever you dig a foxhole, you dig that foxhole big enough for two. So that's what they taught us. When you dig that foxhole, you dig that foxhole that's big enough for two. Because... There is nothing quite like fighting a battle all alone. So you make the foxhole big enough for two. That there's somebody there that will strengthen you when you don't feel the strength. You'll have a buddy there in battle when you feel like you're not going to make it out of this one. He looks at you and says, get yourself together, man. We're going to make it even out of this one. Keeps you from panicking. 
Everything around you says you have every right to panic, but keeps you on an even level. What I'm saying to us tonight, maybe we need to take that advice in the church in our battles and our frustrations. When the jobs are unreliable, when we're facing however many years, Sister Samantha, of being a single mom, whenever, Sister Shauna, maybe there's things in our past that still hollers at us and buys for our attention that sometimes drags us down in our moments of weakness, whenever divorce or marriage problems have circumvented everything that we thought life had for us and what was really before us during those times, let us as a body of people in the church be building and digging some holes that's large enough for another brother and sister to get down in there because I need your encouragement and you need mine. And though I may never experience what you're going through right now, God's gave me some eyes. God's gave me some eyes. I've talked over the years of my life in ministry. I'm not talking this church, but beyond here and other churches and pastors that I spoke to before I was ever a pastor, before I ever served in that office. I talked to my wife and I sometimes feel like some of our ministry was nothing but to be an encouragement to the pastor of the places that we went with. And they would put out their hearts and I could not say I understand where you're coming from because I didn't. But you know, I could look that man and that woman in their eyes say, brother and sister, God's going to bring revival to you all. God's going to support you. He, 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 everything that's going on is not in vain. There's some purpose. There, there's some reason behind all. Just tie a knot and hang on. Why? Because he gave me eyes. I could observe. I may never experience, but I could observe what they needed. What they needed was just a word of encouragement we bow our heads all across this place thank you for listening if you would like more information about our services and activities you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter with the username facmc again that's facmc thank you and have a blessed day